morning, and welcome to episode 678 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I am Ben Lindbergh of Grantland, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello. Hello. Shall I introduce our guest? I guess real quick, somebody had a, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a conspiracy theory, but suggested the alternate explanation of Corey Kluber being pulled with 18Ks was to protect Bob Feller's Cleveland legacy slash record do you uh should we just agree that that was it (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i'm buying that one no i obviously i'm not either but it is compelling it's it's compelling in a way like it's obviously not i mean i think it's compelling in a way that i wouldn't consider it for a moment except just to consider it as a as a thing like like i don't think it's true but it's fun to think about it being true yeah it would be interesting if they didn't let the 21 strikeout game dictate their decision, but they did let that dictate their decision. Yeah. Yeah, because you do get the feeling that if Bob Feller were uh, so alive, he would not... I don't know this. If he were alive, I I would have probably done that because <laughs> he was kind of scary. Right, exactly. He, is, <laughs> he, he would have really been unhappy. Like I think he would have been very unhappy that the that this was... Like, I, I don't get the feeling that he would be like, slap you on your back and say good job better you know better that you have it than i do like i think that he would be he would be fuming and and god bless him i think that's why he was bob feller yeah all right so our guest who we just made listen to that silently is rob arthur now of 538 hey rob hey how are non-subscription based comment sections treating you wonderful yeah. <laughs> so we did a show just about a month ago, a little over a month ago, when the first StatCast information started seeping out, and we talked about what we would want to use it for, what it might be useful for, and now we've built up a little bit of a sample, and we can start using it for those things. So you wrote an article for 538. It is up today on Friday, and you talked a little bit about this batted ball data and some of the people who it has revealed something about that we wouldn't otherwise know. So I guess the first relevant thing that you always have to talk about at this time of year is how quickly these things mean something. And this seems to be more quickly than most other things. How quickly? Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is all driven by the fact that OPS and OBP and the other statistics stabilize much, much more slowly in hundreds of uh, plate appearances. So batted ball velocity, I found out, stabilizes in as few as 15 batted balls. So really, really quickly. And we're already well past 15 for most players. So we, we have plenty of data to say something about batted ball velocity for many people. And so what does batted ball velocity correlate with or what does it tell us now that we've had some little sample of performance and we can look at who's hitting it hard and who's having success when hitting it? What is the relationship between those two things? Yeah, so pretty much the harder the ball goes off the bat, the better the hitter is in every conceivable way. So the balls are more likely to fall for hits. They're they're more likely to fall for extra base hits. 
the player is even more likely to, to uh, walk uh, in other plate appearances, obviously, um, just presumably as a function of the fact that they have increased power. And so it's, it's overall, what I chose to correlate it with was OPS. And basically every additional mile per hour of average batted ball velocity equates to an 18-point increase in OPS, which reflects that sort of every batted ball velocity is good for everything. And what's the spread, roughly? What is a hard hit ball or, or a hard hit average, and what is the opposite of that? So the averages right now tend to be between about 80 and 100, and they've kind of compressed, as you might imagine, as we've got more, more data. But yeah, right now the, the worst hitters tend to be between 80 and 85, and the best between 95 and 100. By the way, if you had made that joke about the unpaywalled comments at Grantland, Ben would have edited it out. Just, that's, that's the power as He gets to make you look slightly unhappy with your publication. There are no comments I'm, at I'm Grantland. I'm not unhappy. I didn't say I was unhappy. I think they're great. So when you say that, uh, when you say that, I mean, obviously it makes sense. It, it would not make any sense at all if, if batted ball velocity did not correlate to increased offense in the aggregate. But I haven't dug into this stuff yet, uh, to be honest. I, I've read what you and Ben have been writing and other people, but I'm fairly uninitiated into it. So it is true that a line drive that is hit 95 miles an hour is is going to obviously, obviously, uh, indisputably be more likely to be hit than a line drive that goes 94 miles an hour or 84 miles an hour. However, a line drive that goes 84 miles an hour might be more likely to be a hit than, for instance, a fly ball that goes 94 miles an hour and is caught, you know, six feet in front of the warning track, or a ground ball that goes 94 miles an hour, and I don't know what the BABIP is on a hard-hit ground ball, but presumably less than 650 or whatever a a typical line drive is. And then, uh, similarly, direction is significant. If you're a left-handed pull hitter who they load up the infield with, well, almost every ball you pull is going to be hit harder than almost every ball you take the other way. Uh, and yet, if you can take it the other way, it's probably a lot more likely to be a hit just because of the direction. So are we controlling for that stuff yet? So the short answer is no. The long answer is uh, you raise a couple different good points. So one is that for a given batted ball, more velocity isn't necessarily good. There's like a kind of a troughs and valley kind of shape to the graph if you plot it, where it's good to hit it hard, but if you hit it too hard, then it'll go to an outfielder. And then if you hit it harder still, it'll be a home run, right? So so it goes up and down, essentially. There's also the other variables that you brought up, like the direction and the angle. And those those um, data are actually in the StatCast feed that's coming off of MLBAM, but they I didn't include them in the analysis that I did for the article because it seems like the data is not quite trustworthy yet. So for example, about 95% of the angle measurements, so the horizontal angle, whether it's going down or up in the air as like a fly ball, right now about, I think it's 90% of them are zero, which doesn't really make sense. So um, I think that they're still working out some of the, the kinks in the data. And in terms of the angle and direction in particular, it seemed like it wasn't quite trustworthy. So I chose just to exclude it. There's been, I mean, like at the beginning of the year, it was like appearing in the feed and then it was disappearing from the feed. And then at Baseball Savant, at least, where you can look this stuff up, it's, I think at this point, it's just being like scraped from the MLB game day pages where it'll tell you how hard a ball was hit. And sometimes it'll tell you how far it was hit. And sometimes maybe it'll tell you the angle, but often it won't tell you the angle. Like it's very inconsistent right now it's not giving us everything for every batted ball right 
Yeah, so we definitely have to take this with a grain of salt because, um, yeah, there's a lot of batted balls that it seems like it's not tracking. And there's also, it seems like, some technical issues where Jeff Sullivan wrote a really good article where he looked at some of the odder, more outlier uh, numbers coming from the StatCast data. And for instance, there was a bunt from Anthony Rizzo that was recorded at greater than 100 miles per hour off the bat, and that seemed kind of unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So there's things like that, but it seems to wash out, at least in the aggregate, and I wouldn't necessarily expect there would be um, there would be biases uh, for a given player who's played at many different ballparks and so on. Right. Yeah. So this, there are nitpicks and everything. And if you are predisposed to not like new information, you can come up with all kinds of reasons why this is not perfect. But on the whole, you found that there is a relationship between how hard you hit it and how well you do. So can I real quick interrupt one last thing? Do you, uh, do most line drives go harder than most ground balls go harder than most fly? Like, is there something about the angle that you hit it that affects the typical velocity like is a hard struck grounder generally less hard struck than a hard struck fly ball or vice versa do you know that i haven't i haven't actually looked into that i think that the line drives would be the hardest on average so like sure. so in other words so so like a hitter who's a you know a power hitter a guy who's you know like a, got an uppercut in his swing and is going to hit home runs uh, he might actually have like a lower exit velocity than like a Howie Kendrick type line drive hitter, conceivably, even though he's ba- doing more productive yeah. offense. Yeah, I think that's very possible. I mean, if you think about it from a physics perspective, right, the like the squarest way to, to hit the ball is like at the straight angle. So the more like the more it goes up or down, the less energy is going to be put into the ball. So you can see the batted ball velocity potentially falling off because of that. I can look up the average batted ball velocity by batted ball type as we are talking here and get you an answer on that at least as we discuss things so the peg of this post is guys who are possibly underrated or guys who are possibly overrated or underperforming or overperforming based on their just raw stats that we're used to seeing and their batted ball velocities so give us some some guys give us some good fantasy regression slash rebound <laughs> candidates based on this because that's all anyone cares about right well okay so on the list of overachievers the one of the ones that was really interesting that popped out was d gordon who has like a pretty poor batted ball velocity of 83 miles per hour on average and he's right now doing extremely well offensively right he's i think he's the in the lead in the fan graphs war and he's got an ops of uh, i think nine in the 900s and his batted ball velocity would suggest that it's going to be a lot lower than that. Now, D. Gordon's a little bit tricky because if you just regress uh, batted ball velocity on OPS, you're not taking into account the other skills that a hitter can have. And one of the skills that D. Gordon is really great at is he's really fast. So it makes sense that he might overachieve his, his uh, batted ball velocity predicted OPS, but it seems like not to quite the extent that he has, which is basically a 350-point difference in his predicted OPS based on batted ball velocity versus what he's actually done. Yeah, so so right. So eventually when you build up your your model where you want to estimate how good a guy's OPS will be based on his batted ball characteristics, you would also want to factor in his speed somehow because if he's a really fast guy, he can hit some weak ground balls and still get on base more often than someone else can. So 
it would have to be a little more complex. Okay. It's somewhat interesting because Gordon was, last year Gordon had a, a pretty good season. He was basically a league average hitter, and I think a lot of people considered that something that he wouldn't be able to replicate, that there was no nothing in his history that suggested he was even capable of that. And so you're saying that he's, you know, speed not accounted for. He's 350 points above where his batted ball velocity should be. Uh, and in fact, he's like 275. So if, maybe if his speed is worth 75 points of expected OPS, it might actually be that this is confirmed that last year is exactly what he, he is. I wonder. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. I'm not sure, I'm not sure how much to credit his speed, honestly, because it would kind of interact with his batted ball velocity. So maybe, maybe he's really good. He doesn't need a high batted ball velocity. In fact, maybe he thrives on sort of weakly hitting the ball and then just beating out the grounders to, to third or something. It would you know, be interesting. Possible. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether his own, like, at bat to at bat offensive production correlates to batted ball velocity or if, like, the troughs and valleys are, are different for him. Yeah. Yeah. Like they certainly would have been, I think people, I, I would make sense. I don't know if they certainly would have been, but it would make sense that if like in Ichiro's prime that you might've seen like all of his worst batted ball velocities, pro, you know, producing, you know, a third of his hits cause he was just doing that little thing. Right. And yeah, I, I could definitely see that. And it could also be something with one of the variables that I didn't capture, like the angle or the direction, like, um, maybe he's just really good at slapping the ball to places where the defenders aren't somehow. And who else is on the potentially overperforming list? So it's a few guys that kind of, that have high OPSs that I expect to still have high OPSs, but perhaps not quite as high as they were. So like Adrian Gonzalez is another one, because, just because essentially his OPS was like 1.16 in the data that I have. So he's he's really good, it seems to be this year, and his batted ball velocity is sort of in the top half, but it's not quite... 1.16 OPS good. It's mm-hmm. more like 0.9. So he's going to regress a lot, but it's kind of, he's regressing back to really good instead of just being like superhumanly good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's guys like uh, Stephen Boat, Anthony Rizzo, and Mike Moustakis. And to varying degrees, I'm, you know, those guys I'm a little bit less certain about because again, we're dealing with gaps in the data. And, and one of the gaps is, the, like I mentioned, the angle. And those guys all tend to be fly ball hitters. And I wonder if they're getting something out of that that isn't being captured. Mm-hmm. And on the other end of the spectrum? Yeah, so on the other end, the, the guy that really pops out is Chase Utley, uh, because, and a lot has been said about Chase Utley so far this season. He's doing really terribly. Uh, his OPS, when I wrote the article, was 389, which is awful, and he had a 115 batting uh, BABIP, right? So, like, a, a lot of other factors suggested that he, he's really doing terribly, but his batted ball velocity is sort of middle of the pack. A little bit below average, but not so bad. So he's predicted to have something like a 700 OPS, which is much, much, much better than how he had been doing. Um, he's a really interesting contrast with some of the other batted ball data that we have, like uh, based on BIS. So some of that data had suggested that he was hitting fewer line drives and potentially making weaker contact, but that's not what the StatCast data says. So it's kind of like a, a contrast with those older sources. How would you expect that to happen very often? I mean, we have some things. I mean, we've had batted ball type. We've had BABIP. We've had at least some people have access to, like, well-hit average from inside edge, that sort of thing. Or uh, I guess BIS has that now also. So would you expect those to be, I mean, if you factor in all of that stuff together, a pretty good proxy for this new stuff we have? 
You know, I'm not really sure. We haven't been able to compare it until just now, and so I really have no idea how it works out. I could see that it might be over perhaps, so I think the more data that you had, the more likely they would be to converge, right? So over a full season, um, maybe they're more likely to converge, but perhaps over only a few hundred at-bats or like a hundred for Utley, they might be much more likely to be different. And I'm not sure which one to trust yet. My gut instinct is that the data that's collected objectively from the cameras is more likely to be right. But um, I think Utley's sort of an interesting test case. We'll see whether you know his performance will come back up or maybe it won't. You know, going by the BIS data, he's he's really hitting the ball less hard according to them. So mm-hmm. if they're right, then he's he's really falling off. All right, and who else is uh, potentially underperforming? Chris Carter's one of them. Mike Napoli's one of them. I think Rene Rivera and, and Matt Joyce, and I think all these guys. You know, in in a certain sense, it's it was all for naught because all these guys really have low BABIP. That's one thing that united them. So you you probably could have told that they were underperforming just based on their BABIP. But this maybe gives you a little bit more confidence that they are going to come back and they're not just they're not uh, truly having weak contact. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've occasionally heard some sort of vague comments from teams that allude to this information, and there's been some. More slightly more open comments from Brian Cashman recently talking about how his stat guys kept telling him to sign Chris Young, sign Chris Young, because Chris Young was evidently hitting the ball hard and was not having results, and Chris Young has hit incredibly well for the Yankees so far. Do you think there are a lot of guys like that? I, I mean, I'm asking you to speculate, I know, but... Are there, like, what what quantity of diamonds in the rough are there here, do you think, that that we would totally miss them? Because if this, I mean, so the batted ball stuff stabilizes very quickly, so how quickly should we expect the results to mirror the batted ball stuff? Like, how, how weird would it be for a guy to go for a full season and have his batted ball stats and his results disagree by a lot yeah that's a really good question one i don't have the answer to um i mean i think it's something that we're going to find out right uh but i mean one of the possibilities i bring up in the article is that maybe these guys will see their batted ball velocities go to meet their ops's instead of vice versa it seems like just based on logic that because the batted ball velocity is sort of the cause of good hitting as opposed to vice versa that their OPSs would uh, rise or fall to meet their batted ball velocities. But it's not necessarily the case. And, of course, you can see some guys, maybe if they're struggling with uh, in slumps like Chase Utley, maybe they change their approach and that causes their OPS to fall. So, you know, I'm I'm not really sure. And as to the first part of your question, um, whether there are a lot of guys sort of diamonds in the rough, I would suspect there's not that many because all of the front offices have this data and have had this data. And I would think that they would be sort of on top of it if there's a bunch of People like Chris Young that are uh, floating around that are actually really good hitters and their OPSs just haven't matched it. But, you know, maybe some front offices don't take it into account or um, don't put much credence in it, then that would be possible. It, it does seem like, so I don't know if uh, you guys saw this, the New York Times wrote about this and there was this um, amazing quote by Ruben Amaro Jr. Did you guys see this? No. Nope. Okay. All right. I'll just tell you. All right. So they talked to a bunch of front office uh, types about batted ball velocity and Mostly it oh, was right. yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, mostly it was GMs going like, Yeah, it's really good and yeah, I like it and yeah, let's do that. And then it's Ruben Amaro Jr. <laughs> has a more traditional approach. He said he liked to watch batting practice up close next to the cage. That way he can <laughs> hear the sound of the ball off the bat. 
see the trajectory and determine if a player is swinging well. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to see that, he said. So it does seem like this is kind of the first... I mean, if you if you think about it, bad ball velocity creates this whole new stat. It creates a whole new world of stats. You could judge a player without looking at the results at all. And there really hasn't been since you know 2000 or so when you know we kind of got somewhat sophisticated in what we looked at at a player's offense there really hasn't been a a real divide between what teams are looking at with players there's like a little bit here and there and sometimes you see it with framing or whatever or a team will decide what to prioritize but basically they've all been working with the same you know the same stats the same back of the baseball cards more or less and now you've got this world where like one team is going to look at this and have like a completely different profile of players than Ruben Amaro is going to have. And I don't know if Amaro is the one outlier here or if there are 10 GMs who are kind of resistant to this, but they're basically getting completely different views of players based on this. And I'm sort of surprised that in the last couple years, as some teams have, I mean, they've had this data already, some teams have maybe leaned on it and some teams have ignored it. I'm sort of surprised we haven't seen like a lot more trades with like you you would think that at this point there would be a lot of teams that would just be going to Ruben tomorrow and being like, man, crack of the bat sure sounds lousy on Utley, huh? And like seeing if they could get him for a bag of sunflower seeds. And uh, so I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of surprised that there hasn't been a little bit more of, you know, teams taking advantage of other teams or at least thinking they're taking advantage of other teams on this stuff? Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think that this might be a case where the different the different ways of figuring out the value of a player kind of converge on one another. So like, for example, with Chase Utley, I, I'm reading this this uh, article with a quote from, from Ruben Amaro Jr. He says, he's hitting the ball hard. He's just literally the unluckiest person on the planet about Utley. And I think that like, you know, it doesn't take a lot of it doesn't take a lot of bad ball velocity to figure out that Chase Utley's been getting unlucky, right? You just need some BABIP, and yeah, maybe Amaro's way of getting at it is to stand at the batting cage and hear the crack of the bat, but it's going to tell him, it's going to give him essentially the same information. So I think that probably the cases where um, the batted ball velocity really departs from the conventional information and the line drive rates and all the other things are going to be small in number. Um, and so... That's maybe one reason why you haven't seen these these uh, departures. I wonder if he has every feed from the televised batting practice shows piped into his office, and he just sits there silently, closes <laughs> his eyes, just listens I'm, to the quality of contact. I'm, I'm, I mean, Rob Arthur is the, uh, the leading <laughs> academic when it comes to batted ball cracks, and I'm surprised that the Phillies haven't hired you to run their batted ball or their their crack of the bat department. Yeah. <laughs> I think my numbers are just getting away. I think they can hear it, so they don't need they don't need any fancy yeah. uh, recordings or anything. You have now you've made your own bat crack analysis irrelevant now. <laughs> you have you have moved on to an even better way of doing the same thing. So yeah, unless the Phillies are more interested in your version of it, but I have the average batted ball velocities by batted ball type. So. Pop-ups, obviously the lowest, 74.9 miles per hour for pop-ups. Ground balls, 85.9. Fly balls, 90.2. And line drives, 93.0. Nice. Yeah. That's about what I would have expected, I think. Yeah. 
maybe I'm a little surprised that there's not more separation between line drives and fly balls, but then again, there are lots of fly balls that are crushed, so I probably shouldn't be. So you didn't really look at team level stuff for this post, but theoretically the same principles should apply. Like I'm looking at the batted ball velocity averages by team. So you have, you know, the Dodgers are by far the best offense in baseball this year, and they have the second best batted ball velocity. And speaking of the Phillies, they are the worst offense this year. They have the second worst batted ball velocity. But there are also some some weird ones, like the third lowest batted ball velocity this year is the Kansas City Royals, who have the second best offense in baseball. So what does that say to you? Does that say that they are hitting over their heads, or is there something with team-level batted ball stats that differs from player level? I don't think there should be anything especially different with team level unless um, one thing I could think of perhaps is that there are big park adjustments to the batted ball velocity that we haven't been able to uh, work out yet because mm-hmm. of the lack of data. But if, for example, the uh, Kansas City Royals stadium uh, is consistently slow uh, in terms of tracking the batted ball velocity, then it might be underestimating them. And since they're going to play a majority of their games there or half their games there, you know that could be an issue. But other than that, I mean, I would think that it would be a fairly good guide, unless there's, like I said, additional things that that the Royals are doing that to outperform their batted ball velocity. Like they they tend to be faster than the other teams, or they tend to be really good at hitting the ball with an angle such that it will, you know, fall for bloop singles more often. I don't know. I feel like this should just be added to the stable of stats that you see when a hitter comes to the plate. Like I would want to see this just next to. The triple slash line or whatever is there right now just put his batted ball velocity on there because they we see the we see the pitcher's speed on every pitch just about and this seems oh well that that's another thing that i wanted to ask you about pitchers so your article dealt with hitters how useful is the same thing for pitchers not that useful it turns out so it's it's kind of interesting that um I, I did some some modeling, some mixed effects modeling, kind of the same approach that Jonathan Judge and Harry Pavlidis and others have used at BP before. And I ended up finding that um, hitters are about six times more responsible for the batted ball velocity for any given batted ball than the pitcher is. So it seems like the hitters kind of do affect the batted ball velocity a lot more than the pitchers. And as a result, with such a small sample that we have, the pitcher batted ball velocity doesn't really correlate very well with like their ERAs or their FIPS or anything like that. Um, it doesn't seem to have much to do with how good they are as pitchers. So it seems like it's much, it's asymm- the utility of it is, is asymmetric. It's much more useful for batters than it is for pitchers. And how useful do you think this would be for fielders for evaluating how good fielders are? Do you think there would be a, a big spread in the difficulty of opportunities that fielders are getting that you could kind of suss out with the StatCast stuff? Yeah, so that's another area where I think this could be extremely useful um, because, you know, fielders get relatively few balls. And so if they are, you could see a situation where a particular fielder has just happened to have received a lot of balls that are at high batted ball velocity, and they would be expected to perhaps perform less well on those than than a hitter, than a fielder who had who'd seen a lo- lower speed. Uh, balls in, hit in their direction. So 
that seems like another area where it'll be extremely useful. But again, I'm a little bit cautious to, to apply it there just because of the sample size considerations. Is Bryce Harper going to hit 50 home runs? <laughs> it seems unlikely to me. Okay. <laughs> see how his batted ball velocity is doing. you have anything else to ask, Sam? Just want to reinforce that I'm interested in knowing if Bryce Harper is going to hit 50 home runs. <laughs> <laughs> I have him at 88. This is from data from about a week ago. But 88? That's not good. 88. Yeah. That's kind of middle of the pack. Oh, but a week ago. I think it's better yeah. now. Let's say so. <laughs> I'm sure it's much better now. He is now at 90.6, which is, uh, I don't know, he's 58th of hitters who've hit at least 40 balls in play that have been tracked. That's pretty good. I still don't, I mean, it just seems to me that, that you have to know whether it's a grounder, or line drive, or a fly to determine whether it's been hit hard, right? You can, They're not all the same hard-hittedness. Like, if a guy is a fly ball hitter... Then it's not, you know, it's going to be different. I don't know. I just, I feel like if you don't know that, you don't know the answer. You're not, you haven't gotten there yet. So I I think you're right. So when I put the angle data in there, it, the regression explains a lot more of the variance. So that suggests that the angle is important. But the caution with using the angle right now is just that we have such incomplete data that I was worried it would, it would mess things up more. Um, so I, I, I think you're absolutely right in that the angle's a, a big part of this. Um, but until we get the, the proper angle data for everyone, I was a little bit hesitant to add it in. And the, I mean, the names make sense. At the top of the hard-hit balls list is Jack Peterson. Jack Peterson actually is like two miles per hour above everyone else, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, then it's Giancarlo Stanton is number two. <laughs> that It would be weird if he were not number two. So they seem to kind of accord with who you would think it would be, even without seeing the angle. But theoretically, like, you could have a guy who just, and I was wondering about this when I wrote about the Astros a couple weeks ago, but theoretically you could have a guy who showed up at the top of these leaderboards, but, you know, he hit everything to, like, dead center on the fly or something, right? And and he yeah. just had the highest batted ball velocity, but everything he hit was caught on the warning track in center field. Like, I don't, would you expect that there will be guys like that who are just like outliers every year? Like they'll they'll be at the top of some list and they'll be next to all the really good players, but they won't actually be good players, and it'll be because of something like that. Yeah, I do think that'll be the case. I think it'll be the case, especially with guys that get shifted a lot and have really predictable tendencies with where they tend to hit the ball, mm-hmm. um, like you mentioned. And so in those cases, they could hit the ball really well, but as long as there's a defender standing right there because they always hit the ball there, then it won't really do very much good. So I think in the in the long run, where we'd like to go with this is like developing an expected value of each batted ball that's... Uh, independent of what actually happened, but sort of takes into account not just the velocity, but also the angle and the direction. And then maybe even take it a step further. And is this guy shifted all the time and he hits it into that shift, then it's probably not going to be very valuable. And then, so then you could get like a really good sort of expected OPS that was calculated for each play as opposed to just on average. I'm trying to figure out how useful this would be for positioning i imagine somewhat useful but like if you if you had your old-fashioned spray chart and you know roughly with you know decent precision where the balls are being hit and maybe this is a little bit more precise but 
how much extra information do you think knowing how hard the ball was hit in addition to where it was hit how how much would you shift your guys based on the speed if you already know the location so i think if you already knew the location but a guy consistently hit it hard there you could tell your your guy to take a few steps back right just to give them a little bit more time to react since they're going to since the ball's getting there faster right i don't know how much help that would be but potentially uh, i could see it being something that somebody would try or test out you know mm-hmm. all right so Rob's article is up at 538. Now you can find all of his articles there, which I know makes Sam sad as the editor of Baseball Prospectus. But we are happy that more people are reading him at 538. And you can find him on Twitter at no little plans with underscores between the words. Thank you for coming on again, Rob. Thanks for having me. Okay, so that is it for us this week. We will welcome your emails for next week at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. Facebook group for all the ongoing listener discussion is at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. Your ratings and reviews and subscriptions on iTunes are always appreciated and read by me. And you can subscribe to the play index at baseball reference using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. Support the show, support Baseball Reference, support your own data analysis. That is it. Have a nice weekend. We'll be back on Monday.